Listener, quick content warning for today's episode of Babylon 5. The episode deals with bombings and terrorist attacks. So if that is something that is going to be difficult for you to listen to, know that before the episode goes any further. We've been looking for political agendas. So far, all of his targets have been general. I'm simply an instrument of my time. People need to understand fear. Do you understand fear? It sounds like a crank, but uh, I'll look into it. Thanks. Don't, don't poke me. I, I don't like it. Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? We're a Babylon 5 watchcast by a couple of friends who got to know each other and are continuing to get to know each other over one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Laura. And I'm Jafer. And today I get to ask Jafer, what do you want? You still haven't answered my question, Ambassador. What do you want? Well, what do you mean, what do I want? What do you want? Do you really want to know what I want? Do you really want to know the truth? I wanna really, really, really wanna zig a zig Does that answer your question? I love the strap too. Yeah, and we, we pause. And <laughs> I we... love them both. They're, they're great. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I, I stole the virtue of them because I did not personally make them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but their virtue needs a stolen. I mean, ideas were shared. Ideas were shared. Yes. What do I want? This is something that I was just complaining about, and then we decided to record it. Um, <laughs> I love a good So rant. I know I've mentioned that I moved recently on pod a number of times, and I redid my kitchen and all that stuff. Well, it turns out in the move, I lost exactly one box of stuff from my kitchen. I'm like, I can visualize the amount of stuff that I have, uh-huh. and it's perfectly sized for one box of what I'm missing. So you left this box in the house that you sold? Presumably. Oh, that's tragic. <laughs> yeah. You know, the new owner is like, ooh, free stuff. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I can't even like get super mad. It would have been the only thing left in the upstairs of the house. Mm-hmm. There were a handful of things I left downstairs, like air filters that fit the furnace. Sure. That's Uh, just nice. Yeah. 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 You know, I left a couple rolls of toilet paper in each of the bathrooms for when when he moved in. Also very kind. (laughs) Well, I've moved into a house before and had people help me do it Uh and found there was not toilet paper there for them. Yeah. So I made sure to do that. Now, and of course, because I did that, I did not have toilet paper here when I moved. So when people (laughs) helped me move, we had to run out and get some. Yeah. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. So I did leave a couple of things in the house. So he might have thought, like, he hasn't said anything to me. I've talked to the person who's bought my house maybe three times mm-hmm. since the transaction has occurred. Sure. Mostly like, hey, I got a package coming on accident kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We've all done that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he's a good guy. Like, it's always been very amicable, the conversations. But he's never brought up this box of cool stuff yeah. ever. <laughs> I have no idea where it ended up, and I'm not going to get accusatory about it. I'm just going to take the L. But... Yeah, so I'm missing this box of stuff from my kitchen. I've replaced about a third of it at this point, and I'm about to replace a whole nother chunk of it in like a week. But that's a whole other story, which is also related to me moving. (laughs) So 
it's all this kitchen stuff. I've mentioned baking on pod a couple of times. I like lost my baguette trays. Mm. My birthday was a couple months ago. My mom got me new ones Aww. for my birthday. So I've been making baguettes again. Mm-hmm. But I was missing like all my baking trays. I was missing my cupcake tray, which is incredibly important to the operation of my kitchen, despite having never once been in my oven. Do, do tell. <laughs> I am the guy who saves all of his scraps when he's cooking and makes stock once a week. Oh, so you freeze it in the little cupcake mm-hmm. shape. Yeah. Okay. I've got a little silicone one where I can pop them out when they're frozen real easy. Mm-hmm. And I freeze them in that tray and then I vacuum seal them. Oh. And the other thing that was in this box was my vacuum sealer and my sous vide. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> so I haven't been able to vacuum seal anything since the Four months I've lived here already. Mm-hmm. That can't be right. June. Oh my god. Mm, Anyways, yeah. maybe it was July. I'd have to go find paperwork. Regardless, I've well done. Do I haven't that. been able to see. Yeah, I've like made stock like three times because I'm not able to keep it properly. Mm-hmm. So it's just in mason jars in my fridge, and I have to force myself to use it all in the same week. Oh yeah. Instead of having a like back stock of. Stock. That's terribly inconvenient. (laughs) Yeah. But it's all about to work itself out. When I moved, my former cable company charged me like $300 for all of the equipment in the house. Uh And they finally, 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 they've had it for I don't even know how long processed the return. So it was like just in an office that they don't man. Like when I dropped (laughs) it off, it was like just slide it through here. No box, no labeling, no nothing. We'll get it from the address. And I looked in there and it was just piles of cable modems and routers and stuff in there. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is terrible. Yeah, that labor market's a real, real terrible bitch right now. (laughs) So uh, they're not exactly known for their excellent service in the first place. Mm. Although I did offer one of their phone technicians a job once. (laughs) He He did real good. Yeah. Anyways, I have a refund coming to me which is going to be almost exactly the cost of everything on my Amazon wish list to replace aforementioned box. Oh, very nice. Um, it's within like $20. <laughs> I'm sure you have 20 so. bucks sitting around. <laughs> oh, the other way. It's it, oh. I'm getting $20 more from my well, refund. Well, find yourself $20 more of kitchen gadget on Amazon and you're good. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I don't like kitchen gadgets. Yeah. I If I have something that does the job, I'm not going to buy another tool that does it. Yeah. That's the galley there kitchen are, life too. Yeah. And I mean, I've got like, I mean, I designed my own kitchen and then built my own kitchen. So one of the things that I purposely designed is a cabinet that's 30 inches wide that has six drawers in it and they're all five inches deep. Nice. So it's just open it, see everything, go to the next one, open it, see everything. That is all of my cooking supplies and stuff are in there. Mm -hmm. One is just measuring cups all laid out. One is, you know, like stuff to stir things, stuff to mash stuff, you know, like my immersion blender, all that stuff is in there. And it's purposefully designed to be very easy to just kind of open one up, see absolutely everything that's in there and then close it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to overflow any of these things for sure for sure (laughs) i designed my kitchen for the things that i have or the things i knew i'd be getting because i did buy a handful of things when i moved yeah it's like a new kitchen yeah yeah well it's like okay i have all these mason jars and i've got this like haphazard collection of lids that some of them work some of them don't 
So, okay, I'll spend $10 on a set of matching lids that are tight seal for this set of mason jars or 20 bucks or whatever it was, you know. Yeah. Just to, like, kind of uniform things up a bit. So. Yeah. So that's what I want. My stuff. (laughs) (laughs) My stuff back. Well, I hope you get your stuff back soon. Thank you. And... There's no good segue um, from the e- that episode. No, this episode is super tragic. There's no good segue for me complaining about missing a box of stuff from my kitchen that works. Yeah. Or at least that's tasteful. We might be able to find one, but I'm not interested in it. Uh, yeah, this episode is a bit heavy. There's a couple of things about this episode I'm going to throw out there now. Okay, let's hear it. And I don't know how you will feel about them. I kind of mentioned this to you at the end of the last recording. Mm-hmm. Because this probably means a lot more for you than it does for me. But this episode was written in the aftermath of the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a timetable that I hadn't put together either. Like, because I was a child when the bombing happened, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't actually live. Well, we both were. Yeah. Oh, were you not actually in Oklahoma City then? No, no. I lived in the eastern part of the state at that time. So I lived back in the Cherokee Nation. And, you know, I knew that we had friends that lived in Oklahoma city and Mm -hmm. I was of a small enough age that it was like, you hear there's a bombing in Oklahoma city and you don't really have a grasp of how big the place is or what happened. And so, you know, I remember, you know, asking mommy is your, is your friend. Okay. And she just kind of chuckled and was like, you know, yeah, she's fine. It's Mm -hmm. a very big place. You know, you don't really understand, but yeah. Um, I wasn't close to it, right? But Oklahoma's not a big place. <laughs> Geographically yeah. big, right? But we're not a super populous state. And uh, it's always been something that has been there, you know, for us mm-hmm. in our our ethos. And we still have the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon every year that we run from different parts of the city. And I think it usually ends at the memorial. And I think that everybody who comes to Oklahoma City should go see that memorial. It's beautiful. It makes you cry. People mm-hmm. still leave stuff at the fence around the memorial. You know, that when the building blew up and they left toys for the, the kids that were in the daycare. And it's a really spiritual place, you know. I know not everybody who listens to our podcast feels religious or anything, but... Mm-hmm. It's one of those places that you feel something about humanity when you're there, even if you don't feel things about beings that are outside of us. Yeah. And, you know, I, I still like if, if friends come, I'm like, well, we need to go see it and, you know, stand in that ground and see the chairs. That's one of the big things is that there's a chair for every person that died, um, oh. like a, a stone chair, metal chair. Yeah, I can't remember that's... which. And the ones for the children are smaller, so you know who they were. But, you know, there's still people around the city that go and speak at things that were there. I saw one at an event last year, and she had been a bank employee because there was a a credit union, you know, in the building. Because it was Mm -hmm. a a federal building, right? So she was at the credit union, and she talked about being like trapped under a refrigerator and how that, you know, how the whole thing changed your life. And you're just standing next to this person that, or you're sitting watching this person that has been touched by something you can't fathom. And creators like J. Michael Straczynski and others at the time, because there were lots of 
you know, terrorist storylines that came out trying to imagine this in, in our shows in the 90s. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we had Waco yeah. maybe a year or two before this. Yeah, and I think I it was, say. you know, I, I've read a lot about it, but following like and the, the logic is not there good. There was the World Trade Center bombing, which is yes. another thing that's kind of been lost to history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was an attempt like obvious this. obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah, it was a, you know, we, we fill a vehicle with explosives and they pulled it under the parking garage at at mm-hmm. um, the World Trade Center, too, but they didn't have enough, so it wasn't really, like, a big thing. Yeah. But th- there was a lot that happened around this time that I didn't really put it together as a child, that, like, mm-hmm. you know, these creators were reacting to this, too. And obviously, there were a lot of 9-11 stories after 9-11. It was a much bigger thing, yeah. but, you know, we already kind of well, felt there's also, that. like, there's a bit of disconnect on the timing, too. Like, you know... If he wrote this episode or had the idea for this episode in the aftermath of the Oklahoma City bombing, then it might not have been filmed for another four to six months and it might not have aired for another four months after that. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have been a whole year some in the genesis there mm-hmm. where it fell. And this episode was filmed the week that the Unabomber's Manifesto was published in, I want to say, the Washington Post. Yeah, that was a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah. Because well, the Unabomber was active for like a decade or something, right? Like it was a while. The Unabomber was doing stuff for a long time. But until the Manifesto, it was just like sometimes these random people got mailed bombs. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm, the FBI might have been aware it was one person. Mm-hmm. I would hope yeah. uh, at some point they caught on. I don't know anything about that. I'm not going to guess, but until the manifesto and it like became public knowledge that like someone took credit for all of these things, it kind of picked up a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. All of that happens too. The, there's a definite type of person that our antagonist is. <laughs> um. Yeah, I got some feelings there. <laughs> you want to. Save it for the, for the. Oh yeah, no. Would it surprise you to know that I've got a half-page political rant in my notes? I'm, I'm. (laughs) You know, listener, you can probably tell I'm still a little like froggy from my recent cold. And if Jafar wants to rant, I'm gonna just let him. (laughs) I'm gonna take a breather and have some water. So I appreciate it. Yeah, well, let's get into it. We talked enough about the historical context. I think. All right. Well, we open on a uh, space TSA. Mm, yes. Where again. some drowsy monks are coming to Babylon 5 because of the Kosh sighting. Yeah. Garibaldi and Zach are there and they do their characteristic insensitive human white guy thing. And yeah, I, th- I think last time this happened, I s- described it as two white guys talking about Black History Month. Uh, yeah, you did. You did. Mm hmm. <laughs> it's what it feels like. It does, yeah. especially when they the Drowsy specifically mention the name of the god that they're they keep saying it wrong. Uh-huh. It, on purpose? Yeah. I'm assuming on purpose at a certain point. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, Drabunga. Droshala. Whatever. At a certain point, ignorance becomes indistinguishable from malice, right? Yeah. That's well, one of those I mean, things. <laughs> ask me how many times I've corrected some of coworkers on how to pronounce my name. Yes, yes. You know. I think we've um, all worked with that one guy who refuses to get ethnic names right, even though he's been actually corrected. <laughs> yeah. 
Specifically. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. they poke Zach. Zach gets them to poke a potted plant. <laughs> it's weird <sighs> and not. <laughs> if this episode were any less serious, mm-hmm. I'd probably be really mad about this stuff. Yeah. But getting to the Drazi to poke a plant because they feel it's holy, given the weight of everything that's pending. Yeah, this is an attempt at levity, right? <laughs> Yeah, you're trying to do something while you still can, mm-hmm. because once this starts, there's no there's no breaks for comedy. Yeah, yeah. No B plot. That's yeah. Ha-has. Yeah, we yeah. get sort of like a B moment, but then it it morphs back into the A plot. But so Garibaldi goes and runs into Ivanova, and mm-hmm. she tells him that they've had some anonymous messages come into CNC in the last few hours that say chaos is. Four hours away, three hours away, whatever. Uh, why are yeah. we just telling Garibaldi now, Jafer? This is probably <laughs> the most unbelievable part of this episode for me, based on what yeah, we... Yeah, that Ivanova wouldn't say something sooner. Yeah, like what we have been well, through Well, Garibaldi in doesn't take us seriously, so maybe that's why. <sighs> maybe she knew he was just going to be, oh, well, I'll take it seriously when they... Blow something up. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah, I'll get to that, like, you know, after lunch, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to continue being super heavy, but it's going to be a super heavy episode. I mean, I think we are of the age where we remember the distinction of school before mm. bomb drills and stuff yeah. and school after. Yeah, Columbine was another big thing in our childhoods, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was in, I want to say, seventh or eighth grade. Yeah, that seems right. You Middle know? school seems right to me. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got a, like clear memories of school before and after. Yeah. And they are quite, they, that is that is a break. There There is delimination. And that is an active problem experiences. In, in today's society as you know, recent 2000, 2022 history. Like, can you imagine if somebody called a school today and said chaos is four hours away? It'd like, be madness. Like, the, rightfully so. The school has every reason to freak the fuck out at that. Yeah. The whole police department knows instantly, you know, yeah. of this. But, but Garibaldi's just like, meh. <laughs> and Ivanova's like, meh, I'll sit on it. Wait till we get another call. <laughs> Yeah, that's the only part I'm like, nah, 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 homies. (sighs) Anyway. Cut to down below where a lurker crawls into a giant trap box. Uh, Yeah. It's like a giant coon trap or something. It's like mousetrap. This is the worst (laughs) Saw sequel. Mousetrap, down below edition. (laughs) Right. Ugh. Yeah. And of course, this big old crate explodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, we go to theme when we come back. Brother Theo, who is a reoccurring character for a handful of episodes mm-hmm. in the near future. Yeah, we meet him for the first time. Did you know? Did you mm-hmm. did you notice this actor? This actor is a Drazi, right? No, he's the original Drawl. There were two actors oh. for Drawl. I didn't notice this, but my husband did. <laughs> okay. He said, I thought the That's other Drawl seemed different. Can you look this guy up? I think I misread it on IMDb. And saw he was just a drazi and just moved on with my life. But okay. No, drawl. I misread that. Yeah. Louis Turin, 
or Turan, I'm not sure how you say it, was apparently supposed to reprise Drawl, but he had some sort of medical thing where he couldn't do it. And so they got a different actor and promised him that he would come back as something and they made him Brother Theo. So. Okay. Yeah, I think that's really nice. Very accommodating. He, yeah, he gives me real big Andrew Scott in Sherlock vibes. He's okay. uh, Moriarty in the reboot. All right. Yeah. Uh, not the reboot, but in the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock. Sure. Yeah. Calling it a reboot's not really <laughs> yeah. accurate or apt, regardless. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're a bunch of monks and they've come to stay on the station. Mm -hmm. I find them delightful, especially that yeah. they're wearing, you know, traditional monk clothes, like <laughs> you would think. This is a fun storyline and we get a really good guest spot in, I think it's two or three episodes yes. through, through these monks, which I'm really looking forward to that episode. Yeah, it's not far. Yeah, it's, it's soon. <laughs> But we get Ivanova talks with Theo what they're there to do. And they're like, we want to learn about alien religions. Yeah. You know, we're firm believers in one true God. And why would one true God only show themselves to humanity? That doesn't make sense. Mm, okay. So we want to learn more about alien religions in order to better understand and know our God. Yeah. Cool. Big thumbs up from this guy. That's a cool concept and totally makes sense to me. Yeah. I would hope that's how people respond instead of with xenophobia. Yeah. Well, that's what we want, right? But there, there's a couple of science fiction novels, and one of them's name is escaping me. But I like to just call them Jesuits in space because they, <laughs> uh, they do feature prominently the Jesuit order of the Catholic Church, and they're in you space. You talk about the Bene Gesserits? <laughs> you think of Dune? Or is this something else? No, no, no. I'm talking about the okay. the actual Jesuits. There's Sparrow is one of them that has the Jesuits in it. For, and I haven't read Sparrow. There was another one that was older. I'll post it in the Discord when I remember it. But yeah, it's it's very much this philosophy. that They're going out there because they believe that God must have shown himself to other races. And they want to know how. And they want to know what that is. So yeah. very intellectually curious, which you like to to hear from any group of people so for sure no this is super cool to me big fan they're like this what would have taken centuries to collect on earth will take decades here at babylon 5 mm -hmm. you know yeah. and that makes sense too because all the traveling ivana was like you're not gonna be like going door to door and like no people will come to us mm -hmm. yeah and we plan on earning our keep on the station i made sure to only bring monks who are geneticists and welders and en yeah. structural engineers and stuff. And it's like just like, uses he rattles here. off all this yeah. stuff. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I very well thought a plus brother Theo. Uh, we get a little bit before this with uh, Garibaldi and Franklin going through the wreckage, looking for survivors. And we come back to it after this. And at the bombing site, a Shang Tsung finds evidence of a bomb. Flawless victory. <laughs> is that who this is? Yeah, he's uh, he's the bad guy in Mortal Kombat. Okay. This is uh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. And this is a very famous actor. He's done a ton of stuff. Oh, okay. Especially a lot of TV in the 90s mm -hmm. and early 2000s, thus giving us that a Shang Tsung was in a crossover episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch meme <laughs> that made it rounds for a minute. Oh, okay, okay. Which was not what happens in that episode, to be absolutely clear. If you saw that meme and you're like, oh, that's crazy. 
not what happens in that episode. Sorry to shit in your cereal. Okay, enough about that. We see Lanier at Space TSA. Oh, yes. This is another levity moment. <laughs> Obnoxious Guy is back. Uh, that is the name of his character, Obnoxious Guy. Yeah, I noticed that in the IMDb. <laughs> this is the guy who was suing the gray aliens <gasps> That's in right. season one. Yes, for kidnapping his great-great-great-grandfather or something. Yeah. Actually, this is John Flynn. Okay who is director of photography and cinematography on 102 of 110 of Babylon 5's episodes. Damn. <laughs> he, he was director of cinematography for more episodes than JMS wrote. Dang. And that's probably the only credit that can be attributed besides actors and possibly the composer mm, to that sure, many episodes. Sure. Yeah. He also did most of the TV movies and stuff. So this is a fun little thing for him to do yeah he's he's loving it <laughs> he's eating it up lanier straight up lies to get rid of this guy though yeah what about that lanier i thought that minbari could only lie to save face of another who is he saving well, face of here <laughs> no one which is why yeah. he says he'll do penance for lying later yeah 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 i'm sure it's he will like too I <laughs> yeah. Well, he does this episode, to be perfectly honest. Oh, true. Yeah. Oh, it's um, karma. I've, I've had a few sinners, but I've, I've never heard of that one. No, no, Ooh. that's not. That's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tells this guy that he has a, a fatal disease and gets him to leave. <laughs> yeah. And he's there. He's at Space TSA to meet mm -hmm. Delenn. He's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. He's yeah. just picking up yeah. Delenn. Delenn arrives Lando right behind from another cruiser coming in. Lando was not on the Mimbari homeworld or something. They they make a point of giving us a throwaway line of dialogue that a Centauri cruiser was docked at the same time as the Mimbari cruiser in a little right. bit. But yeah, another bomb goes off and Delenn gets out of the way and then Lanier saves Lando's life. Yeah, he like pushes him through the door, but can't make mm -hmm. it through the door himself in time. And we see this like plexiglass pressure door close and we see Lanier like his Straight hands on the Rathacon. other side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he gets stuck in the ensuing explosion and mm -hmm. we dramatically cut to commercial. Now, because this episode was not heavy enough, I'm going to add a whole layer right now mm -hmm. and I'm going to guess unless you read production notes you don't know this about this episode. This is something I definitely learned about this episode. Yeah. This time I had no idea. Okay. From this moment until when Lanier wakes up, Bill Mummy is not in this episode. Whoa. No way. <laughs> Wait, so, this that? is a very sad story. Okay. It's a dummy. Okay. And if, as soon as I say it, you like, if you go back and look at a couple of clips, he's never breathing. He's not linear sized at all. It's just the head is perfect. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Bill Mummy's father passed away shortly before the filming of this episode. Oh, that is sad. He, he didn't miss this episode because of the funeral that had already happened, but his dad was sick for a long time. He was spending a lot of time visiting him in the hospital, mm -hmm. which is why Lanier Light first episode and then also like the season break and stuff. The timing worked out, I guess, for him to not be missing a bunch. Mm -hmm. But he had spent a ton of time at his father's bedside as he was slowly dying over months. And so when this role part of the role came up, he refused. He's just like, this is too difficult for me from what I've been through recently. 
I cannot do this. I am mm-hmm. incapable of portraying the character in this comatose state. It is emotionally too much for me at the moment. Yeah. And everyone understood. And so the makeup guy was all like, I gotcha. We're going to do a face cast uh-huh. and I'll make a mold and we'll put it on a dummy and no one will ever know. I promise no one will ever know. I mean, I did. You can't tell. <laughs> yeah. The, it's so good. The the makeup job on that face mm-hmm. is so good. I mean, they had all his normal prosthetics and stuff to put on the dummy. Right, right. Right. So you just make a face mask of him to put the prosthetics on. You throw it on a dummy. And like, if you watch, go back and look, the dummy's like in this weird position. Its shoulders are massive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can write ne- that off as like, he's never moving. He's swollen from the explosion or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's no breathing. The, the dummy never moves. And don't they have one of those like arch thingies over him a little bit that might mm-hmm. be obscuring the fact, you know, that For your sure. brain is not reading that the chest is moving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of cover him up a bit, but I wrote 2940 as a good spot to see it. Mm-hmm. 2940 left of the episode, if you want to scrub to that and hit play and watch like 10 seconds, you will see. It's it's clear as day as soon as you know and you look at the spot. Okay. I'll have to go back and do that. Yeah. So that that blew my fucking mind because I had read all of that. My, my process mm-hmm. involves reading everything I can about an episode. Yeah. For the notes before I watch it. So that way, when we hit the point, I can make my timely comments about my research. Yeah. So you're very smart. <laughs> I, it, it works out well for me. If anyone else wants to talk shop at any point, get on our discord. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that's how I do it. So I knew the entire time that was a dummy. And I still was like finding ways to like looking from breathing or something, just trying to convince myself that that was actually a dummy. That's how good the makeup job was. Yeah, it was very good. They did great. We cut to senior staff discussing the situation. Yeah, yeah. And fuck, this is depressingly relatable. Just talking about like, hey, we don't want to institute panic, but we also need to lock down and try to shut down traffic in public areas to prevent mass casualties. And it's just like, oh, God. No, you know, no groups larger than two or three uh, so that there's no target. Uh, This explosive was commercially available. It's something you can just buy. Hmm, Where we heard that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't regulate it. But there is some sort of tracking in this one. Like we we can know which company made it or where where it came from like what yeah. what system yeah they pay some lip service to the molecular structure of the explosive itself having a signature that would be left behind yeah that yeah. would allow them to trace it not only to the company that manufactured it but the transaction yeah that's handy that's fucking cool mm-hmm. that is 100% in the realm of technology we could have yeah in the near future and is that's that's fucking smart yeah i mean this is why like all guns have serial numbers and stuff right like (laughs) yeah they've identified this can be used as an explosive and we have a way to sort of mitigate that Mm -hmm. and make it trackable we've got some dead people we've got some injured people messages we got you know the the little unabomber notes or whatever who was it that sent notes was it the unabomber yeah a lot of people who do these things send notes let's be real a lot of people who do these things are just desperate for attention yeah yeah 
Yeah, we get a little bit of uh, Jakar blaming the Centauri, the Centauri blaming the Narn. Yeah, this is just, I mean, it's very relatable, right? Mm -hmm. People politicizing a tragedy in their Mm -hmm. own ways. It's obviously a stretch, like both of them. Yeah. But they Mm -hmm. both do it anyway. So Sheridan brings up the point, though, like you said, the bomber's message. They have to figure out what the bomber wants, what the bomber's trying to convey, the bomber's manifesto, Mm -hmm. in order to determine who the bomber is. Right. Right. We have to understand what they're getting at in order to narrow down our search. Yeah. Of what kinds of people could this be? Delenn goes and checks on Lanier. And so does Londo. Yes. Londo visits Lanier, and he has heard that talking to people who are in an unconscious state mm-hmm. can aid in their recovery. No one better and for the is, job. <laughs> exactly. He knows that this is his calling now. This is his moment. He does that mad scramble of words that one will find themselves saying at a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had this experience, either you personally, Laura, or listener. Very clearly, I wouldn't know that. But this is, at least in my experience with this, exactly what happens. Yeah. This is this was relatable to the point where I had to pause Babylon 5 and I was getting teared up and just like, I can only imagine Bill Mummy reading this scene. Yeah. And knowing and having to say no at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about it and you're like, well, what's Bill Mummy got to do? He's just got to lay there. But it's like, yeah, he's just got to lay there. (laughs) Well, he's hearing this outpouring from a very talented actor. Oh, Um, yeah. Peter Jurassic nails this. Oh, yeah. And not have any emotions or look on his face or cry like. Mm hmm. If you've been through the things that Bill's been through, I could see that being very hard. So Mm -hmm. good on him. He's a very logical person. Yeah. To know, to not put himself through that and for them to find, and for the show to find a way around it and still tell the story that they needed to tell. That was a plus all around production crew. Yeah. I think the story of Babylon 5 behind the scenes seems to have a lot of compassion for everyone involved. Yes. JMS had a lot of compassion. This crew has a lot of compassion. Yeah. Whenever you listen to stuff, everyone always talks about it that way, which is why the season five contract betrayal cuts so deep. But we'll talk about that in like three <laughs> in <while>. years, listener. <laughs> yeah. Like whenever we get to season five, episode one, mm-hmm. I'll talk about what happened there. If you were not aware. Anyways, Garibaldi, Sheridan, and Ivanova discuss the bombings. Uh, the bombs seem primitive. The bomber had previously struck on Proxima 3. They tracked the same set of explosives to bombings that were there. Yeah. And so they decided they need to go through the aftermath footage to check for a common face. And Ivanova's like, I think I have someone who can help with this. Yeah, Garibaldi's freaking out because the AI cannot do it. <laughs> so funny story. <laughs> well i mean we have ai now that could totally do that yeah i i kind of um, thought so yeah i actually just programmed an ai for work this last week well it's a neural net we use the term ai these things are not intelligent mm-hmm. right they don't have sentience that's not what, when you, when you think of ai we're not talking about sci-fi ai we're sure. talking about something that can learn 
Yeah, like the current uh, use of the word, not sci-fi's use. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I I built a thing at work, and I just I rolled it out this morning, actually, mm-hmm. that goes through every active service ticket in our system and finds people who are upset. <laughs> oh God! I hope that our software company doesn't have that because. <laughs> I'm going to show up a lot. (laughs) Now you'll see what we have been going through, yes? Okay, I'll I'll be sure to think about my tone next time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that anyone is doing anything with this thing that I'm using right now. Sure, but it's good to know, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it it exists. Like, Mm -hmm. I did it. I, I built it over the last couple of weeks and rolled it out. And, like, that's where we're at. So I got to imagine... Short of some Butlerian jihad in Babylon 5's history, right? where humanity takes a step back from artificial intelligence in some regard. Which, is that in the, I think they actually, don't they reference that in the book from Book Club? Isn't there a thing about robots in there? I think there was like a lip service line to like robots gaining sentience and they killed them all. There was a thing, wasn't there? Oh God, I'm going to have to research this later. It was like a throwaway line in the first couple of chapters. Okay. I'm going to have to dig into that. Ivanova gets the monks to go over all the footage, and Lando and Shakar then get trapped in the worst pitch for an Aerosmith music video ever made. <laughs> Look, there's not a lot of room for jokes here, and if yeah. we're going to do trapped in an elevator jokes, I'm going for Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, not because I like them, for the exact opposite reason of that. This is a good premise and a good whole... This is where I said there was kind of a B story. And to me, the yeah. kind of a B story was Londo and him talking to Lanier. And then, well, he had to go run an errand and whoopsie. So when I was doing my notes for this episode, Beth and my friend Jamie came in towards the last like three or four minutes of the episode. Mm-hmm. And so I had to like explain... Like they just saw the very end of how... Of Lando and Jakar getting saved. Oh, yeah. So they're like laying in this thing and, and barely breathing. Lando's and... laughing and Jakar's cursing. Mm-hmm. And I had to explain the two of them like they had never encountered these characters before because mm-hmm. Jamie's never watched the show. And so I was just like, I just, and I just spouted out and they're just like, oh, oh, this show's, this show's good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's a little dark, like, you know, so how it gets set up is is Jakar is Mm -hmm. in the elevator. Londo's about to get on and he's like, no, I'll wait for the next one. And then he sees like a ball of fire coming down the hallway. And so this was a practical effect. Yeah. How they did this shot is they rigged one of their hallways standing, Uh put the camera at the end of the hallway, like the top of the hallway, and then rigged the fireball to shoot up. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they green screened Peter Jurassic in. Into it. Okay. Yeah. And he's making his choice. He's like, there's this, there's the angry Narn in here, but there is a ball of fire over here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I guess I have to get in the elevator with the angry Narn. <laughs> yep. He gets in. There's yeah. wreckage. They're trapped. And Jakar is just pleased as punch. Yeah. This is his ideal situation. I find this most appealing. (laughs) He's so happy because he can't kill Londo. He knows what will happen if he kills Londo. He wants to kill Londo more than anything. And he can't. Mm -hmm. But he can watch Londo die through inaction. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly his plan. He, 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 he can't kill him, but he can definitely not save him. There's some fantastic acting throughout this whole thing from oh. Andreas. Just like, yeah, we're skipping ahead a bit, but we'll get back to the other parts, that, the other things that are happening right now, because it's all it's mm-hmm. a very simultaneous plot at this point. Yeah. And, you know, Londo's trying to call for help. And Jakar's just in the background going, help me. it's just like so good it's so so good good. (laughs) this i mean it's been like this for a while but these two actors are so cemented in these characters Mm -hmm. like this is just the proof in the pudding of their chemistry as a pair yeah and it's so good this this whole this episode is made watchable (laughs) i feel like by modern standards because of the acting yes and it's just, it's so good in this. We skip around a bunch. Uh, the monks find our dangerous loner, the, the 90s stereotype. Uh, yeah. And the reason the new Batman movie was too fucking real. <laughs> Have you seen the new Batman? I haven't seen the new Batman movie. Spoilers? <laughs> I don't I mind. Guess? Okay. I'm not, I'm not big on the superhero universe. Sorry if you it's, are listening. It's great. It's three hours. And it's a straight up detective noir film. Okay. Uh, it is. It is not a superhero film. Nobody in the 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 movie has superpowers. Okay. Okay. Of any variety, except maybe Andy Serkis, and that's just because. Well, he's that's just an who excellent he is. Actor. Yeah. Yeah. So the general plot is the Riddlers running around town and executing people, and it's very like lone, crazy gunman, mm-hmm, terrorist, mm-hmm. plotty kind of stuff. Sure. And it comes to light that he's basically a QAnoner. Awkward. Um, they they do not pull punches. They don't call it Q. Right. But they don't pull punches. He's caught up in conspiracy theories and is completely delusional. And Sad. he has a whole online message board. And he's like on this like not Twitter, probably like it's it's probably supposed to be parlor, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets all of these people who also buy into the conspiracy theories to help him out. And it's like you spend the whole movie thinking it's this one dude. And then in like the final like main thing, there's like hundreds of people wearing these masks doing the crazy shit. And it's like, this is how you get henchmen. This is actually how you get henchmen. And it's just, yeah, no, that face you're making. Yeah, exactly. It's too real. It's too real. It's too real. Their Babylon 5 guy doesn't have this much pull. He is... Much more yeah. loner. He's not got a message board, thank Jesus. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But Garibaldi and crew go for the bomber who has booby-trapped the halls. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets Sheridan to come and talk to him. We get a nice funny moment again where Garibaldi's like trying to get Sheridan to go ahead and go in with a bug, even though they've just been told, do not send anybody with an active link or a bug. Yeah, <laughs> And Sheridan uncreatively starts to stick his link in his shirt and they <laughs> give each other a look and he sticks it in his I know he sticks it in his pants but I could not stop telling my husband that he stuck it in his butt <laughs> 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 just every moment I was like it's in his butt well where do you suggest I put it it's in his butt right now <laughs> which makes it even funnier when he sits on it <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay. I'm not an adult, guys. I'm really sorry, listeners. 
<laughs> it has to be on your skin to work, right? So I always got the vibe. Butt cheek, like. <laughs> yeah, I always got the impression that they're like powered by your body. Oh, like they're getting some kind of electrical current off of you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, either that or they're running off like the heat and converting it to electricity or something. Like, yeah, sure. There's a couple ways you could do it, future tech, whatever. But it always seemed to me like they don't work when they're not on a person. Yeah. I don't even I don't even know if that's true. I don't yeah. there's probably examples where that's not the case where someone's got theirs on their nightstand and it yeah, goes maybe. off or something. But in my brain as a child watching this show, that was always my impression of this technology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it could be like your it's got a little battery in there, you know. If it stays charged, yeah. it could go off on your nightstand for a little bit. Head cannon accepted. Yeah. All right. What's not accepted <laughs> is this loner's views on society. Oh no. Yeah. He's super pissed that yeah. he paid off his student loans and then they got forgiven. Yeah, he's got big, like, modern women have ruined society vibes. Because his, his wife left him. He makes sure to mention that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, fuck this guy. 100% fuck this guy. Unequivocally, fuck this guy. Fuck, mm -hmm. fuck people who think like this guy. This is not rational or sane in any regard. Yeah. The world does not revolve around you. We live in a fucking society. Yeah, you know, if most anything, of my rant was built around the student loans joke. And oh, I'm sorry, and I cut around. it off. I oh no, you're fine. To. You're fine. No, it's good. I don't. They don't. They don't need that from me, audience. <laughs> you don't. You don't. You don't need me to tell you that if you're upset, you paid off your student loans and didn't get any forgiven that you could go fuck yourself. But hey, listener, if you haven't gone and if you have student loans and you haven't gone and filled out that thing and you're eligible, yes. go fill out the thing. Go fill Do out the thing. thing. And also, listener, if you were unaware, I don't know why I'm the one telling you this, but you can get a refund for any loans that you paid off since March of 2020. Mm -hmm. can you can get that testify. refunded and then forgiven. I've, yep. I, yeah, yeah, you did it. I have enough because you did it. I sat my best friend down and made him do it. Yeah, no, like I had no idea it was a thing and we talked about it. This is a real thing, listener. You can do this. You can call your student loan company, mm -hmm. get up to $10,000 or whatever back refunded to you and then get that forgiven you just got to do it soon yes to, your so, time is running out by the time this airs you're you're counting down days so yes. get to it and you know what <laughs> it's really it's not as intimidating as it sounds like no it, i mean i sat with like i said i sat my best friend down he he got it done in under 20 minutes yeah do the thing and that involved multiple phone calls yeah yeah do the thing 100 percent Get your money. Mm -hmm. We're here for that. You know, I was thinking about what you said about Riddler and the henchmen and stuff. I'm yeah. hoping that all stays in because I'm about to say this guy is definitely not a Riddler, right? He's one of these henchmen. He's been reading the message boards. Yeah. And is doing a crazy thing now, but he is no mastermind. <laughs> no, he's the guy who was on Parlor getting upset about stuff in his workplace. Yeah. Not the guy on 4chan figuring out how to best message this to brainwash people. Yes, yes. This is the guy who has absorbed a lot of messaging and is acting on it. He is not inventing mm -hmm. his own stuff. He is not original enough for that. He gives us a lot, lot of rant. And oddly enough, he doesn't even seem to me to connect like they could have gone after a thing of like, these aliens are ruining our society or something. And so I'm attacking aliens. He's just randomly attacking yeah. Babylon 5. I, I have to wonder if you don't do that on purpose. Yeah. Knowing 
I mean, the, the growing xenophobia on Earth is a constant plot point in the background of the show. Yeah, yeah. So for this person to, I have to imagine in the 90s, mm-hmm. before everything that hasn't happened yet happens. Right. And before <laughs> this country changes in the way that it's going to. Right. That you don't do that because you don't think people will be able to take the xenophobia pots seriously afterwards. Yeah, you're what you're thinking maybe if I if I'm doing this and making this part of that that I'm beating a dead horse or I'm I'm boring well, people I think with this you, plot. I think you take a look at this character through not a modern lens. Mm-hmm. This this dangerous loner dude and he's exactly that. Like in the season guide, you know, they joke it's all like, "Oh, this actor did such a good job. We thought he might have actually been the Unabomber." <laughs> you know that's a flattering like, thing to say you don't well they it's just it shows I know, I know. culturally how not seriously this kind of stuff was taken at the time right because we don't have 25 30 years of fucking copycats conducting these kinds of domestic terrorism attacks yeah like we have now yeah like dangerous owners every other week yeah it, okay. every day it's crazy. So I think you don't tie in that plot point to save it, to, to let it be taken more seriously later Yeah. for, for the audience at the time. Yeah. I think, with in, what you're working I think a with. remake, mm-hmm. this guy is Nightwatch. Yeah. This guy is a little, little more serious. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So in his ranting, he does mention that if his demands aren't met, yeah, he's got a dead are... man's switch yeah. tied to some bomb that's going to blow up the entire station somehow. And his demands are basically just, I want a plane to Cuba or whatever. Yeah. If they're not met, the station's going to go up in an explosion as bright as the sun. So that gives them some clues. Yeah, suns are fusion powered. We have a <laughs> fusion reactor. Dun, dun, dun. Whoa. Yeah. So they get in there. And they find the bomb welded onto the fusion reactor. Yeah. And they start getting it out in space just in time for a 90s fist fight to break out. Yes. uh, Complete with going through the glass, sugar glass window. I'm pretty sure it's Sheridan's (laughs) butt that sets it off. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Just saying. Anyways. Yeah. The bomb gets far enough in the station just in time to not damage anything. Mm-hmm. And Sheridan knocks this guy out. Yeah, of course. Saves the day. I mean, technically, he let the bomb go off, so I don't know how great of a job he did. Yeah, he got he got distinctly lucky. Yes. Yeah. Or they tell him, I think, that the bombs. Yeah, because that's what they're buzzing him in to tell him that the the bomb's far away. Yeah. That's what the that's the message on the comms is. It's very lucky. We cut back to Londo and Jakar still trapped in the aftermath. Mm-hmm. After Jakar has been taunting Londo for, you know, presumably hours. <laughs> yeah. They're, they can hear their rescuers coming. Londo starts to laugh. Mm-hmm. And poor Jakar. Yeah. yeah, he's pissed. Gotta, gotta deal with it another day. Yep. The Len goes to visit Lanier, who's still unconscious, but wakes up to finish Dr. Franklin repeating Londo's joke. By the way, this light bulb joke was one made on the Usenet message boards that was then co-opted as a tribute to the online community. That's cute. The linear can mumble out the punchline, so mm-hmm. we know he heard the joke. 
and that he's going to be okay. And the Centauri are going to probably give him a medal and he's going to hate going to the Centauri Prime. Centauri Prime. (laughs) He has some real feelings about saving Londo. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? All life is sacred, so I saved Londo's life. That wasn't hard for me. Mm-hmm. But knowing that Londo does not feel the same way and knowing what Londo has done mm-hmm. makes me think I might have done more of a service to greater life by letting him die. Yeah. And he's the kind that he's not going to make that call. He's not going to be the yeah. arbiter of who lives and who dies. He's going to try to save anyone around him, but he has feels about it. And I understand that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a part of Lanier going forward that will always see something that Londo is in some way responsible for mm-hmm. and feel responsible for it, like he could have stopped it. Yeah. Even though it was well established last season by the Technomage that if Londo dies, someone else is just going to do it. That's and true. last episode, we know that Rifa is working with Morden now. Yeah, it, like so, it's too late from the events of last episode. Yeah, uh, so it doesn't matter anymore. So Lanier really shouldn't feel guilty about it. Yeah. But he'll never know um, that. I mean, yeah, that's too bad. We only we only have that because we get the the big picture as the watchers We get to the watch show. the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. All right. Well, how'd you feel about this one on a scale of Babylon's one to five? Or fuck this episode. Yeah, Which I'm is also in... part of our scale. <laughs> right. <laughs> Canonically part of the who are you rating scale. Uh, well, it's not a fuck this episode for me. Like, uh, it didn't make me feel that way. I almost felt better about this one than the previous, which is a weird thing to say. The whole random loner guy kind of fell apart for me. Like, when it comes down to it, that that character just isn't very memorable to me. Like, nor should he be. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Like, <laughs> uh, and maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's just because we've had a parade of this kind of thing throughout our young adult to fully adult lives. But for me, this felt more like three and a half or a four because of the stuff with Londo. <laughs> and, you know, we see this great compassionate moment from him with he's so. Mm-hmm remorseful about what's happened to Lanier because Lanier saved his life and then we see him get trapped in an elevator with his worst enemy I remember that very vividly him him and Jakar being trapped in that elevator and mm-hmm. yeah I don't know if I can quite call it a four but a three and a half definitely it's it's above the three of last episode for me so where I does it fall for you exact same place three and a half okay I feel it's not as good as last episode but okay. not significantly worse than last episode. Yeah, yeah. Especially all the stuff in the elevator really makes it. Um, the loner, like you said, it's hard to say given our experiences as members of American society. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we are not alone in that regard either. Many societies around the world have very similar experiences in their relationship with terrorism and domestic mm-hmm. terrorism. So yeah. it's it's a thing. And we all have feelings about it. And I can't separate that mm-hmm. no matter how much I would like to from the episode. Right. So if this is a fuck you, this episode for you, listener. I 100% understand. Yeah, definitely fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. For sure, fuck that guy. That guy isn't part of the rating. 
He's not even like we. I don't think we even named his character this whole time we talked yeah, about. Yeah, well, him. it's because we shouldn't because yeah. we shouldn't pay him any attention because yeah. that clearly just feeds the cycle. Yeah, I th- maybe yeah, that was three and a half out of five subconscious thing we did, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so what do we have coming up next time? Season three, episode three, a day in the strife. Mm. Naran officials arrive to replace Jakar. An alien mm. ship threatens the station with a deadly intelligence test. So they're getting V'ger'd? <laughs> I think I remember this one. Yeah. I certainly remember the title. It's got a very catchy title. Some of yeah. these really do. It's like uh, a day in the life, but, you know, bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jokes. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, I we'll hope- be back with that next week. Yep. But before we go, we'd like to, of course, thank Jeremy Siegel for our mm-hmm. lovely theme music. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. Yeah, you know, I saw that there's a Jeremy Siegel Wharton professor talking about the economy on the internet today. Huh. And I thought, yeah, our Jeremy Siegel is way cooler because he can play the bass. <laughs> <laughs> so do go check out jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. Angry Duck Time Machine, thank you for our lovely podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, for being here. And uh, if you would like to have a discussion with us, send us your thoughts, you can do that at our email, which is whoareub5 at Mm gmail.com. And you could also get a link from us to join the Discord if you want to chat with more Discord folks and fans. So Yeah, get in there. It's a great time. We'd love to have you. We'll see you next week, Internet. Bye.